thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Naught be all else to me, save what you art. Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence, my light. Be thou my wisdom, and thou my true word. I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, and I thy true Son, thou in me dwelling, and I with thee one. The reason I chose that to begin this particular podcast is it speaks of a believer's relationship to the Heavenly Father, and this whole uh, podcast ministry is based on Ephesians 6, 4, and we're going to be talking a lot about that today, where it talks about fathers bring up your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord's life. And in the same context, it talks about provoke not your children to wrath. And uh, if we as fathers don't understand our relationship to the Heavenly Father, uh, we'll never be able to have the grace of the life of Christ flowing through us to communicate uh, godly fatherhood to our children. So it goes back to our own relationship with our Heavenly Father. So today, uh, such a privilege to have Pastor... uh, Barrett, Senior Pastor of Greenville Christian Fellowship, Greenville, South Carolina, and him and I are transitioning uh, together. I pastored uh, 20-something years at uh, Greenville Christian Fellowship, and when did you start, Pastor Barrett? I started in March of this year. Okay, and Pastor Barrett and I uh, consult with each other weekly. We do some visiting together. We're on the older leadership board together and it's been a tremendous privilege to work together we were talking about it before we started this podcast uh, how thankful we are to see what God's supernaturally doing in our midst and I'd like you to first tell us a little bit about yourself personally and then if you could share those thoughts about Ephesians 6 that uh, you were burdened with you know sharing with me before we started well thanks so much Pastor Cook for mm-hmm. having me on your podcast it- as I mentioned earlier, it's great to see you in your element here. <laughs> but uh, I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I grew up in that area and then uh, went into the military, got out. After being saved, I eventually went to Bible school, got out of Bible school. And I guess it was about a year ago this month, Greenville Christian Fellowship called me to see if I would be interested in becoming the senior pastor, and I was ultimately very honored. And so I've been here about eight months. I've seen just the hand of God in his mercy, in his grace, in his love, really be a part of transitioning the church into new leadership, but hopefully mm. uh, it's ultimately the leadership of our Lord. Yeah. Amen. 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 And so... Uh, I've been married for, it will be 12 years in January, praise God. We have four girls, which are nine, seven, five, and two. And I really never win an argument. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and I've just decided I'll never try to win never an try argument. Never to win one. Okay. Yeah, that's all right. I'll okay. take my uh, place as a uh, man who seems to uh, lose arguments, and I'll take that place and, hey, l- let it be what it is. Amen. Mm, amen. I'm so glad you shared. Uh, you know, I wanted folks to kind of get a— uh, understanding you're on the front line, not only as far as pastoral ministry, mm. yeah, you're on the front line as far as family, home, marriage, parenting, fatherhood ministry. Your children are at the ages you mentioned, and uh, uh, you got uh, lots before you. And, That's right. And lots in front of you. So I wanted uh, whoever tunes in this to have some idea, you know. It's, uh, why don't you talk about, we talked about there's no perfect father. T- tell us something about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, as we're talking to people today, we can have a tendency, even as pastors, mm. to uh, really talk about particular subjects of truth. Hopefully, we're getting light to the truth as pastors and teachers of the Word of God, as the Spirit of God is opening things up. Uh, to us, but it doesn't mean we have uh, been made perfect. Amen. Mm. We're all progressing in the Christian life. And even as I'm a young father, Mm -hmm. I'm constantly learning through mistakes Mm. that I make in my own parenting, my own fathering, my Mm. own husbanding. Mm -hmm. And it's by the grace of God that as we make mm. mistakes, mm. the Lord, the Spirit of God, brings to light those things and shows us the error of our ways and then grants us the grace to to move away from those things mm-hmm. uh, that we constantly have to deal with, uh, you know, in regards to parenting. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I, I like to look at it as if there's no perfect father, nobody's arrived. Proverbs talks about the path of the just is like a shining light that shines more and more Mm. until the perfect day. We're all a work in progress. None of us has arrived. It's not like we're doing this podcast saying, we're so glad you guys are tuned in to hear how perfectly we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) It's one beggar sharing with the other beggars, you know, where the bread is. The bread is Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, The uh, the bread is our heavenly father. Amen. And understanding how to uh, depend upon him accomplishing the work. So what were your thoughts on Ephesians 6? Yes, uh, it's interesting that when Paul begins to speak in regards to family relationships to the church of Ephesus, he Ephesus, he obviously begins with children, but then he goes right into the responsibility of fathers. And I find it so interesting that in the NASB, and I think it's really in all the versions, that uh, in the address to fathers, he begins with what we shouldn't do. Do not provoke your children to anger. I was thinking much about uh, in light of uh, Ephesians, earlier in Ephesians, where it speaks of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the life of the Spirit is a, both a mortifying uh, the deeds of the body and the uh, uh, making alive again, walking in that newness of man that God has made us. And so we see that even in this uh, fourth verse of the sixth chapter, that so much of 
the Christian life is not simply doing, but it's also in not what we are Mm. to do. Mm. I thought of 1 Corinthians 13 in regards to love, because this is what he's getting at in regards to family relationships and love, is that love is patient. That's the first virtue. And really, that's something you don't do. You don't react. You don't act out. No, you resist the urge Mm. to do something by the work of God's Spirit at work in your heart and in your life. Amen. Now, you and I had talked about the uh, perspective of, you know, being a work in progress as a father. And we were talking uh, over at the church a few days ago about the generational mistakes that can be made because uh, nobody has a perfect father. And when we when we grow into fatherhood after having been fathered, you know, we can certainly see the, the mistakes or the failures and shortcomings of our fathers. And then we purpose in our heart, we're not going to make those same mistakes. But I was sharing uh, how we need to be careful. I, I learned years ago, truth out of balance mm. leads to heresy. Mm-hmm. And when the Bible talks about the iniquity of the fathers is uh, passed on, not the sin, but the iniquity of the father is passed on to the third and fourth generation, I think part of the wisdom in that uh, scripture is one generation says, I'm not going to do it the way my parents did it. And they the pendulum swings too far back the other way. If, if my parents were too strict uh, and you react to it and you don't focus on Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. looking unto Jesus, looking unto the Word of God, you know, don't look unto human examples to the ultimate because there's no perfect human other than Jesus Christ. He's the only perfect, and our Heavenly Father is perfect. And so if you're not careful, you can, you can swing the pendulum too far and it takes three or four generations mm-hmm. before you can get the balance, which it doesn't need to take that to get the balance. God can uh, break the curse of iniquity when we humble ourselves under our Heavenly Father and we humble ourselves under the headship of Jesus Christ himself and keep looking to him. So what's your thoughts on that? You know, uh, we are reactive people mm. and... You know, we tend to remember the things our parents do, I would say, a lot of times more negatively than positively. Mm -hmm. Those things that are negative that we experienced in our parents uh, raising us uh, affects us. We remember those things a lot more. And so it's important to also realize that, you know, there's a lot of things they did well, Amen. Amen. you know, and there's a lot of a, a lot of times that that you can sort of have a prideful spirit mm. about the way you say, I'm going to parent this way. They parented this way and I'm going to parent. And then you display in a lot of ways the same weaknesses because you're making them the point of comparison that you're measuring yourself by. 100%. Yeah. Instead of looking to what the Word of God says, mm. and then also realizing the very weaknesses 
that you have as a, a in your very personality mm. and in your very makeup. Mm. Uh, so so oftentimes we have certain weaknesses, and to be able to see those things, mm. to have the Spirit of God, look, uh, you know, uh, I think in my own life, I have more of a tendency to be harsh mm. in my personality. Mm-hmm. And if I recognize that, then, um, and I recognize that though that might have been an experience with my grandfather or my father, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then I can use the word of God Mm -hmm. and the spirit of Christ to, to direct me, uh, according to what he says is true and what his example is. I'm going to read a, a verse uh, that connects with these uh, thoughts we're sharing, then we'll move on to some of our other points. Second uh, Corinthians ten twelve says, We dare not, this is Paul speaking, we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. You can always find somebody better than you, you know, <laughs> to compare yourself to or somebody that is not as good as you from your perspective. But the comparison should always be God himself, Christ himself, which humbles us. That's right. It humbles us and keeps us dependent upon the, the, the Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit. I think there there has to be a constant understanding of brokenness yes as a father man if we're going to do it in a way that pleases god that that oh father unless you give me wisdom unless you intervene mm. unless mm. you mm. work in my heart man. i man. cannot yeah in any way amen. please you amen and mm. in this particular facet of of uh parenting yeah i, I tell you how excited i have been in the last few weeks about your pastoral ministry in many ways, uh, multiplicity of ways. But the last few weeks, you've been quoting my life verse from your heart and your life. And Mm -hmm. not not because it's my life verse, it's in your heart. Mm -hmm. You know, unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain that build it. And we can't compare ourselves to other fathers to find out how we're doing uh, we need to look to the Lord Himself and the Word of God, and we'll we'll see. We got a long ways to go. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Okay. And He's patient. Praise he, God. He's merciful yes. and patient. Okay. Now I'm going to uh, make some points here that we thought we wanted to cover. I'll read the scripture, and then I'll give you a chance to share uh, the first uh, point as far as provoking children to wrath. As a father, uh, we talked about neglect your children. And the scripture for this is Deuteronomy 6, 7, and 8. And these words, which I command you this day, he's talking to parents here. These words, which I command you this day, shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently unto your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise up. So what do you see there, Pastor Baird, about neglecting your children? Well, obviously, 
the writer of Deuteronomy, being Moses, recognized that the new generation, which is the second reading of the law, needed to understand that in order to teach your children the ways of God, you have to be with your children. You cannot instruct and discipline without, while not being a part of their lives. And Christianity is meant to be a relationship with God that is modeled to those around you. And I think that that requires us diligently looking to spend time with our children to setting even things that we enjoy mm. as fathers mm. aside mm. and to say, uh, you know, this is my chief and fundamental responsibility is to teach my children the ways of God. And if you don't do that, it's interesting. The book of Hebrews mm. talks about uh, this idea of neglect, how neglect will ruin. Mm. How shall you escape, mm. right? Mm. Who neglect mm. so great a salvation. Mm. So neglect can cause as great a, a uh, disaster mm. in the life of you and in others as willful sins. Mm. And so is the case with our children. When we neglect our children, it provokes our children. It, and our children end up wanting to get the attention of their father, and they a lot of times end up doing it in ways mm-hmm. that they shouldn't. That's they right. get in trouble right. or they talk yep. back. Well, maybe dad will acknowledge me now. Yep. But you so it, it there's a positive aspect of being with our children and modeling that life, but there's the negative aspect if if that if we're not with our children, it provokes them to act out in different ways. What mm. do you think, Pastor? Well, uh, it's interesting. I thought about Susanna Wesley mm. on this particular point. Uh, there's a book that was written by John R. Rice. It's entitled The, uh, the Home. And uh, the subtitle is Courtship, Marriage, and Children. And in that book, that's one of the most impactful books upon my life because of a section in that book where he quotes Susanna Wesley. And Susanna Wesley uh, had uh, somewhere around 19 children. I don't know the exact figure. And then some of them didn't survive. But she had lots of children to bring up uh, as a mother. And she makes this point uh, in that book. Um, uh, she, she had a way of um, teaching her children the Word of God. And she made sure she did that. But here's what she said. She said, each child was treated as an individual. Each one had a regular evening in the week to spend time alone with mommy. Mm. And in 1 Thessalonians 2, um, Paul talks about his ministry to the Thessalonians. And he says, in the same way that we came into you and we had a fruitful ministry, one of the ways why we had a fruitful ministry with you is how a father ministers to each individual of his children Mm. in an individual way, Mm -hmm. not just in a group way. Amen. He brings that out in first Thessalonians too. And on the positive side of uh, what you're talking about, I mean, uh, not only the time they need for us to be there, 
for them and with them. But when we're spending time with them, there's things they pick up. It's like, you know, when did the uh, apostles say to the Lord, Lord, teach us to pray? Mm-hmm. Well, the reason why they asked the Lord to teach them to pray is because they heard him praying. Amen. He was spending time with them. Mm-hmm. And then they saw there's something about his praying. We need to learn better how to pray or, you know, we, we need to have him teach us how to pray. That's a father doesn't have to have all the answers, mm-hmm. you know, prepared. But if his heart is in tune with God and he's walking the talk and, and children hear a father praying, that's the best way for them to learn how to pray. It's like with our children. Uh, I don't remember ever having a family. We, we had family altar or wisdom search. We called it seven o'clock in the morning uh, each morning. And I don't ever remember in all those times, many years, you know, uh, I will say, you know, 20, 25 years of, of those types of times. And I don't ever remember deliberately teaching them how to give to the church. Mm. You know, you got to give this much or, mm-hmm. you know, you should be doing this. But I think just by the modeling and the example, feeding, feed the flock, mm-hmm. feed the sheep. When, when, when the flock is healthy, uh, you'll be a giver. Mm-hmm. You'll be a giver when you're getting closer to the Lord. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. So fathers can teach their children just by being with them, mm-hmm. their lifestyle, even, uh, you know, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Amen. Yeah. It is interesting that he speaks in that verse about as you go and do this, hmm. then you can bring up this. As you go and do this, then you bring up this. It's, it's sort of a biblical worldview mm-hmm. that you're constantly giving your children is. You see that right there mm-hmm. that's going on in, your, in, in dad's life here as we're standing in the supermarket and it's taken 30 minutes <laughs> for this cashier to get to us. Yeah. But do you see how we can honor God through patience mm. and when we begin to spend time and they see as we model that way of life, Amen. like you're talking about the Amen. Lord modeled Amen. a way of life Amen. to his disciples, then it prepared them to walk their own Amen. way of life. But you can't model a life unless you're with your you children. Got time, you got to have time with them. Amen. Okay. Uh, that verse I, I was talking about is First Thessalonians 2.11. Uh he says, Paul says, as you know, we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, not just as a group. Mm. You know, we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children. So there's got to be some individual. You you know, there's only so much you can do with, say, 10,000 people, you know, if that's what your ministry is what you've been called to. But when discipleship takes place, it's got to get down to a smaller Amen. Walk, walking with them. You know. So our second point um, has to do with refusing to listen to your children. And this is uh, Proverbs 18, 13. He that answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame unto him. 
So what do you see there, Pastor Barrett? I think we can provoke our children. I, I think it would probably be good as I was thinking about what does it mean? You know, what does it mean really to provoke our children? You know, I was looking up the Greek word hmm. this afternoon. It's paragizo. And it's the Greek word that is used in this provoke not your children to anger. And it's a word that seems to communicate an angering or an irritating mm. or even an exasperating mm. our children. It has the idea of like stirring up a negative reaction, you know, in either our instruction to them or our discipline of them. And it's often manifested in those particular things of irritation, frustration, or anger. And so, you know, I think when we're talking about refusing to listen to our children, sometimes when our children do something wrong, mm. we can jump to the conclusion that we have all the perspectives. Because mom told me when dad got home, <laughs> what my littlest one was doing or say my seven-year-old was doing and in as a result instead of hearing their perspective hearing what they had to dad this is what was happening to me uh that that information was never told to me hmm. it creates in them hmm. a frustration with dad dad won't even listen hmm. to me Dad won't even mm. uh, uh, acknowledge that there were some other pressures on me at this particular time. And so to them, it shows, I feel like oftentimes, a, a sort of lack of compassion and empathy with my child that, look, you know, there are other pressures involved as to why our children make decisions. And so when we refuse to listen to their answer, we just discipline because mom told me or because I see something or because I hear something in the back bedroom. Mm -hmm. And and my daughter says, no, dad, you, you need to listen. This this is why it happened. Mm -hmm. uh, my other sister provoked provoked me right now, <laughs> you know. And yeah. so, um, yes, that, I think it's 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 an unwise thing. But it's also a thing that creates within our children some frustration so that when we want them to come tell us they've done something wrong, mm. they won't. They won't come. Because they know dad is going to jump to a conclusion or dad is going to discipline right them, them mm -hmm. right off the bat instead of listening to mm. Uh, their particular situation. There's some other scriptures I'm going to read that ties in with uh, all these uh, points that you just made. Uh, Proverbs 25, verse 2, talking about kings. Hmm. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter before a king makes a decision, before a father makes a decision, before a pastor makes a decision. Get all the needed information first 
and listen carefully to who you need to listen to before you draw conclusions. James 1, verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. And then one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, James chapter 3, verse 17, If you've got the wisdom that comes from above, which is God's wisdom, it's first pure, peaceable, gentle, and then to the point of this particular conversation, easy to be entreated. Mm. Somebody can bring something to you and you listen carefully to try to understand what they're saying, why they're saying it, to make sure you've got the proper perspective on exactly what has taken place. I want to share an illustration that happened in our church ministry, and if this is, it can happen as a father, it can happen as a pastor. It's all the same. Mm-hmm. The way you shepherd a church, and the way you shepherd your family, the the biblical principles are the same. You know, if a man know not how to uh, provide for his own house in a shepherding way, how can he begin to shepherd a bigger flock, a church flock? Mm-hmm. And so we had a man come and he spoke. It was on a a, a subject that was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for when it's not everybody agrees? Uh, disunity, something in regards- It was a, a, a subject that <laughs> you knew from the start. It, it's tread on, tread on, tread softly or tread carefully. I got you. You know. And he made his presentation, and, uh, you know, there's a way to say something, uh, and then there's a way not to say something with the same point. And when he was done, um, I started getting uh, feedback from the congregation, from leaders, from uh, those in the pew, and it was multiple multiple and I, and I and that's what i look for as a pastor you know lord if we're not on target here you know we're not doing something right here please show me through the members of the body of christ the leadership and the you know folks in the pew and i i got because i was listening i was a, i was really carefully listening to what they were saying i realized we need to ask the congregation to forgive us for how that was presented because it's not representing how we wanted it to be presented. And that's what we ended up doing. You know, we asked the congregation to forgive us for the, the, the manner of the presentation. But, you know, I could have said, well, wait a minute, he's making some good points and why do we need to ask forgiveness? No, listen, mm-hmm. listen to what's being said to you. There's truth to it. I thought of the verse as you were going through those verses in the book of Proverbs. It says, the first man who gives an answer seems right, but the second one calls him into question. Mm. And when we hear a story um, from one person, it's unwise to make certain judgments in light of that one Mm. thing that's told to us because we're only getting one perspective one side of the story Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to conflict that's happening constantly Mm -hmm. amongst siblings Mm -hmm. that's happening constantly 
amongst friends of your children, you know, <laughs> and to get the whole story is, is to act wisely according to, mm. uh, Solomon. Yeah. And if we're not getting the whole story, then it's going to create frustration and even, you know, possibly anger from our children. All right. So, uh, uh, next uh, point I'm going to read the scripture for is uh, we provoke our children to wrath when we permit uh, bad behavior. Proverbs 29:15 says, "The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings his mother to shame." And then Galatians 4:1 says, "The heir." as long as he is a child, uh, differs nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. But he is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. So what's what's the point we want to make here? Well, you know, one of my favorite verses is Isaiah 53, 6. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Mm. Each has turned to his own way. Mm. And if that's true of every human being that walks on the face of this earth, how much more should we be willing and ready and uh, um, interested in making boundaries for our children so they don't go their own way, the wrong way, and how much more do children who don't have the wisdom mm. needed to live in this really fallen world mm. in regards to their own fallen condition of art, mm. um, how much more wisdom do they need from us and boundaries in, in, in their lives in order to keep them from harm? Because that's what we're at after, mm. right? Mm. It's not about restriction mm. in the sense of controlling an individual. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. the Lord is not interested in simply just uh, putting a yoke of slavery mm. on his people. Mm. God wants what's best. Yeah. And when his commandments are not burdensome. burdensome. Amen. 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 And so when you see that, truth in regards to the way you parent, then you realize, listen, uh, when you are giving such boundaries to your children, let me tell you why dad is doing this. It's for mm -hmm. your good. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have this in your life, you're going to go this path or this path. And I think, you know, uh, when we permit bad behavior in our children and we do not restrain them, the Bible speaks of a lack of restraint gives the wicked in the book of Psalms more freedom to act wickedly. It allows the inclinations of their hearts to, to have more of what they want instead of trusting uh, um, the Lord to, to rein in our children through specific uh I would say, uh, boundaries that we provide for them, mm -hmm. you know. One thing that's helped me in relation to uh, behavior 
is uh, five five different types of fools mentioned in Proverbs. Mm. And, you know, it says foolishness is bound in the heart of every child, which would include every one of us, mm-hmm. you know, even the ones speaking here on this podcast. Amen. Well, you know, we, we all begin with foolishness in our heart. Our heart's deceitful, desperately wicked. And it says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but then it talks about the rod of correction will be able to protect that child, as you just mentioned. And the five different types of fool, let's say, for the sake of illustration, if one child spills their milk uh, accidentally, that's one thing. If another child spills the milk because they're purposely slamming it because they didn't like what mommy just did or daddy just did, and they slam. That's a different situation. You know, if a child's moving towards a hot iron, and you're not going to say, well, go ahead. Go ahead and touch the hot iron. No, you, you want to protect the child from danger, protect the child from harm. The child, that's a simple fool. That's the first of the five. A simple fool needs instruction. He doesn't know it's dangerous to touch a hot iron. Mm-hmm. He needs to be instructed. But then, you know, if you lose the battle there, you go on to a, a silly fool. And a silly fool doesn't want to be instructed. The, it reminds me in the 60s hmm. of a song um, that was very popular. It, in other words, it, uh, if, if our focus is on fun and pleasure and me feeling good and so forth, and that's my standard of measurement of right or wrong or what I'll do or won't do, that song in the 60s said, if loving you is wrong... It's talking about torn between two lovers. You know, I've got this uh, husband over here, but I'm not in love with him anymore. You know, I love this man now. And the song says torn between, uh, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right because of the feeling, mm-hmm. because of the emotion. Mm-hmm. So a silly fool, and I could I could quote all the verses in Proverbs, I'm just going to, for the sake of time, give the illustration. A silly fool indulges himself in the pleasures of, of sin. But the Bible talks about after the pleasures of sin, there is the consequences of sin. So, you know, if you move from being a simple fool to a silly fool, you're, you're, you're not moving upward. <laughs> <laughs> the five fools go downward. Mm. And when, if you spend time in Proverbs with your children, you'll see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, simple, silly, and then reactionary. Mm. A reactionary fool uh, it doesn't want to be uh, taught about right and wrong. Uh, I just want to have my own way. I want to do my own thing. And so they, they start reacting to, well, why we got to have that rule? Mm. And even in the Christian life, if you're trying to disciple somebody, you know, uh, well, why we got to have that boundary? You know, uh, and you've already mentioned it's not about rules. Mm-hmm. It's actually about the safety and the protection of the world's destruction of our lives. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually like when you go up on a mountain with a car and you got those guardrails there and your narrow highway and you don't want your car to go off the cliff down into the valley below and die. Those guardrails are there not to restrict you, 
but protect you. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're talking about in the spirit of this. So that's just something I find helpful. And and if, if parents would read Proverbs with their children and take time with that, simple, silly, reactionary, and then scorning. Mm. A scorning fool is saying, no, I've made a choice. You know, I don't want to be a part of this way of life. And then the uh, committed fool, not only is a person that's made a choice against it, they disciple others. They, they, they get a following. They want to get the scorning fools and all the rest of the fools to, to follow them. So there's lots of wisdom in knowing what kind of fool are you dealing with mm-hmm. when you uh, try to teach or uh, nurture. And, uh, you know, there's one verse in Proverbs says, Answer not a fool according to his folly. Then the very next verse says, Answer a fool according to its folly. So it gives you time to discern, well, which kind of answer should I give? Which level of fool am I talking to? You see what I'm saying? Amen. There's lots of spiritual discernment there on this particular matter. I think, I think you're, I mean, that's, that's some great wisdom. I'm going to have to get that from you actually. (laughs) But, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago in our home groups, we were discussing this whole idea also of the deceitfulness of sin and understanding that our children need guidelines. They need boundaries because sin can deceive them mm. so easily. Mm. If it can deceive us That's right. into constantly falling into one area of sin or another area of sin, how much more can it deceive our little ones Mm. around us Mm. in promising so much more than it actually delivers or Mm. keeping them so much longer as we know that whole Mm. phrase goes, you know, costing them more than they want to pay. You know, that's the deceitfulness of sin. And when we, uh, um, uh, have boundaries in their lives, it also keeps our children from uh, seeing that their father doesn't care about them. I I, I was thinking, Hmm. I can't tell you how many times Hmm. I feel terrible when I've had to discipline my children, Hmm. actually discipline Mm -hmm. them. But it is amazing to me mm. how my younger daughter would come to me after having to deal with being disciplined, and she would just come and sit in my lap wow. and wrap her arms wow. around me. Because deep down, yeah. though she hated Amen. it at the time, Amen. she knew dad was loving mm. her. Dad was loving her. Right. And that's what the whole idea of even Hebrews 12 is all about. Right. Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, for he chastens whom he loves. And there's a measure of love that is shown to our children. And when we do not show that love, our children can be provoked into being even though they may not admit it externally, but inwardly they can be provoked to such a way that, that, that they become angry or frustrated. Even that dad really 
doesn't care what I do. Right, right. Years ago, there was a uh, Ann Landers uh, post. <laughs> I've tried to find it on the Internet, but I can't find it. Maybe somebody listening will find it for me. But there was a teenager on there, and basically she was saying, I wish my parents would say no. I mm. wish my parents would provide some boundaries. I wish my parents would tell me, no, you can't do that. Uh, you know, you're not allowed. Uh, you know, you have to do it this way. You can't do it that way. And she says, I, my parents don't love me. Mm. I wish they would love me. That mm. was a whole uh, Ann Landers column that Ann Landers was uh, responding to. I thought it was a to your point. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's we wouldn't think that provokes our children mm-hmm. to anger, but mm-hmm. it does mm-hmm. in some yeah, they feel uh, mysterious un- way. Insecure. They're they're not protected. They're not secure. They feel exposed to whatever's out there. You know, they need, especially fa- uh, fathers. Uh, um, they need to have dad's uh, blessing, approval, approval. Yeah. Amen. And they and and they get that when there's loving shepherding, Amen. loving discipline. Amen. I was going to read this illustration of Susanna Wesley. It, it ties in with this this point, but also once again, I would encourage you to, as a mom and dad parenting, um, if you have a chance to do a search on the internet for Susanna Wesley's um, thoughts about uh, parenting, she has some wisdom on it. One day, one of her daughters wished to do something which was not altogether bad, but which was not right. When she was told not to do it, she was not convinced. That is, the daughter was not convinced. It was late, and she and her mother were sitting beside a dead fire. Her mother said to her, Pick up that bit of coal. I don't want to, said the girl. Go on, said her mother. The fire is out. It won't burn you. I know that, said the girl. I know it won't burn me, but it will blacken my hands. Exactly, said Susanna Wesley. That thing which you wish to do won't burn, but it will blacken. Leave it alone. And Mm. it makes me think about, you know, true religion is to keep oneself unspotted from the world. There's so many times with our children that we can't always explain fully Mm. why you can't do it. That's right. Sometimes we just can't always fully explain it, but it's for their protection. Amen. For their safety. And, of course, as we said at the beginning, we're not always right. That's right. We're not always right about it. All right, our next point is uh, we demand that how do we provoke our children to wrath? We demand too much of them, James 3.17. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceful, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy. And then Romans 2, 1, you are inexcusable, O man, whenever you judge, for when you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you that judges, you do the same thing. So demand too much of them while you're pondering what you want to say there, Pastor Barrett. One day I visited... um, this was in uh, New Jersey. I pastored up there for 16 years in southern New Jersey. And I visited uh, a teenage girl 
she had tried to take her life. She was in a psychiatric ward of the hospital. And I asked her, you know, how did it come to that point in your life? And she said three things to me. I'll just mention one of them here. She told me there's three reasons why it came to why she felt like she had to take her life. But the first thing she said was, no matter what I do, I can never please my father. Mm. And that's part of what we, you and I were just talking about. Children need affirmation from their dad. They need to know that dad's pleased with them. Yes, we need to bring them up in the discipline of uh, you know when they've done something wrong, but I find that if you have an atmosphere of praise and affirmation constantly that you're giving to the children based on character qualities that they've demonstrated, not performance. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the child that gets a C uh, may have had to demonstrate uh, more time, effort, energy to get that C than the child that got the A. For one child, it might come easy to get the A. But for the other child, it comes very hard to get the A. But when you see diligence and perseverance and endurance and thoroughness and you praise them for those character qualities, uh, all the rest of the children get excited because they say, hey, Dad's praising somebody over here. You know, Amen. And, and then it excites all the children to try to work on that character quality. But it just goes to the point of that daughter, you know, children. The glory of children, Proverbs says the glory of children is their father. They need dad's blessing. Mm-hmm. They need dad's affirmation. So if you de- demand too much of them, no matter what they do, they can never please their father. Something's not right. That's right. And it's interesting. I was, I thought of 1 Corinthians 13, 11, and it's just a principle here that Paul is speaking about in regards to love, he said, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. But when I became a man, I did away with childish things. Now, interestingly, he's saying that God requires his children based upon uh, the level that he requires of them, and I'm not saying, mm. but he holds us. He holds different Christians to different, mm. and I, I want to be careful. I don't say this wrongly mm. theologically. Right, right. He doesn't hold us to different standards, but he he expects of us more mm. as we are older and more mature in mm. our faith. Mm-hmm. And that's what Paul is saying here. He says, when I was a child, yeah. I used to think like a child, act like a child, reason like a child. Well, that's important for fathers. It is important. To understand that our children are children mm. and the expectation mm. you have mm. on your children mm. has to be in light of them being children. And if you begin to require them, sometimes I see this weakness in my own life. I, mm. I, I'm holding uh, my girls to a standard that I'm not sure I could keep up with. Yeah, amen. Amen. You know, and then I go, uh, as I think through it, maybe as I'm praying through it, 
I, I, the spirit of God will bring to mind that, but you can't even fulfill mm. that obligation. Mm-hmm. And you're wanting your children to fulfill mm-hmm. that obligation. Well, when we hold them to standards like that, they think they can do nothing, as you said, mm-hmm. to please dad. Mm. I can't live up to his standards. So what do they do? They mm. resent mm. the standard and they resent us mm-hmm. because dad is unreasonable in his demands of my life. I, You know, I... Uh, uh, that is, this is one of these provoking your children to anger that I have to constantly remind myself because that seems to be mm. the outworking mm. of the flesh. Mm-hmm. This idea of control, demand, mm-hmm. you know, a works almost based righteousness, a self effort, mm-hmm. you know, instead of it's, it's, as you have said so many times as we talk, I think it's, mm. it's not, it's the, the law. What, what do you talk about? But the spirit, the law, mm. um, but the, uh, the spirit uh, of the law gives life, but the letter of the, the law kills. The letter of the law kills, yeah. but the spirit gives life. Mm. In other words, it's a matter. Sometimes it's not a matter of them completing this obligation. It's a matter of the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's really the the issue that we should be getting at, mm. not conformity to a standard. Mm. I mean, that's moralism. Mm-hmm. And there will be plenty of people, mm-hmm. unfortunately, mm-hmm. who are going to be under the judgment of God in moralism, mm-hmm. you know, because that's they were true. good true. people who kept a certain standard in their true. own minds. Yep. No, we're we're after true religion, heart religion, uh, a, a desire to please Dad, a desire to please their heavenly Amen. Father, right? Amen. Amen. And they're not going to live up to that standard. And, and if we understand that, then we we won't provoke our children, and we'll give them a little more leniency in certain aspects where they do mm-hmm. fail. Mm-hmm. And this is the other side of the the coin to permitting bad behavior. Mm. You know, you can put so many boundaries on your kid. You flip the, that's the head side of the coin mm-hmm. and you flip it to the other side. And, and what you end up doing is, is you have someone who resents you because they, you're holding them to a standard too great. And yep. so yep. there has to be a balance of truth. Yep. And uh, it's difficult to walk that balance. Mm-hmm. I confess it. It's, it's a weakness of mine. Sometimes I lean one direction, mm-hmm. other times I'm leaning another, and that's why we have to walk in the spirit, mm. and we will not fulfill the lust. Yeah, going back to Flesh. Ephesians five eighteen, before you get to Ephesians six one through four. Amen. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Amen. So, uh, in terms of um, the points we're making here about um, children and expectations. Uh, when they get to uh, age of accountability, uh, you're talking about children uh, younger, mm-hmm. but there is an age of accountability. For instance, Moses in Hebrews 11 talks about when he came of age, mm. uh, he chose not to be identified with the things of Egypt, but to suffer affliction with the people of God. 
So he came to a point in his pilgrimage, as all people do, where you understand what's right and what's wrong. And you and like you said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. And that can happen when you enter into your teen years. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus at the age of 12, he said, I must be about my heavenly father's business. And so I think if we wait, we have this mindset of children, uh, well, they, you know, they'll be grown up when they're 18. We're not thinking big enough or mighty enough because once they start to enter into those teen years, they're starting to reach that age of accountability where inwardly they know what's right mm-hmm. and they know what's wrong. And, it, you know, it's obedience from the heart. God desires truth in the inward parts mm-hmm. and if you're if you're shepherding in the younger years give them some space and then when they get to the older years uh, I especially when my children got to be like 15 16 17 18 and they said they asked me about something and they already know <laughs> they already know my what my answer is you know I don't think you should do it or you know whatever but I said well look you make the decision mm-hmm you make the decision. There's a lot of wisdom in that, mm-hmm. you know, because and the Lord allowed His apostles to fail, mm-hmm. so He could teach them truth. You know, He said, "Well, what are you guys talking about over there? You're talking about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom." And He began to talk about, "Hey, you can't be great in the kingdom of God unless you're like a little child." So I'm just saying, there's a lot of. Um, since spiritual sensitivity, whether it's the children age or when they get into the teen years, God's got answers for people kept saying to me, wait until they get to be teenagers. You know, wait till they get to be teen. God's got an answer for the teen years. Amen. 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 Yeah, I was thinking too, you know, about this demanding too much of our children and the standards. And and this goes along with it, sort of that harshness mm. that we can have in in making certain standards um and the affirmation our children need i thought it was so mm. incredible that our lord he's getting to the end of his ministry in john 17 mm-hmm. and he's praying that high priestly prayer for his disciples and he doesn't mention anything negative about his disciples wow they're about to forsake him mm. They're about to uh, enter into temptation, not mm-hmm. watch and pray mm-hmm. as he calls mm-hmm. them to watch. They're about to flee away mm. from him and forsake him. And he never said anything negative. He said, thank you, Father, that they've kept my wow. word. Praise God. And you see in that the the the, the true wonderfulness of being a father and really one who disciples his children and not not just deal with matters as they come mm-hmm. up lovingly mm-hmm. like you said yep. when a yep. situation and make it a teaching teaching moment. moment yeah that's good you know instead of becoming like the world that we live in in the culture we live in which is super critical about every political, mm-hmm. about every sports decision mm-hmm. that a coach makes, about every uh, uh, 
parenting decision that some people uh, look at and say, well, you, you shouldn't do that in the church or you shouldn't do that. So I, I think there's some wisdom in, in giving our children some real liberty mm-hmm. um, uh, when we, when we uh, yeah. deal with their behavior issues mm-hmm. sometimes. You know, when you were talking about uh, explaining it the way you explained it, I was thinking about the uh, Pharisees and the scribes. Because the Lord said the same thing to them that you were saying we do to our children. We can't, we're not even keeping ourselves what we're sometimes requiring of our children. And the Lord said that to the scribes and Pharisees. He said, you're requiring this of these people, and it's all based on tradition. Mm-hmm. It's not based on the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Based on tradition. And he said, you make void the commandments of God. Wow. By your tradition. So we as parents and fathers especially, we need to keep going back to the Word of God Amen. and making sure, is, are we just following some way that we've heard works, or are we really following what we see in the Word of God by the supernatural enabling of the Holy Spirit to see it and then to try to teach it and live it before our children? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Okay. So anything before we bring this to a close? Any closing comments? Well, thanks so much to all our listeners Mm. and all your regular listeners and those who uh, are seeking to be godly fathers and mothers. We just want to continue to encourage you that we do have a perfect heavenly father Mm. and he can give us the wisdom. Mm. If any man mm. lacks wisdom, mm. let him ask, ask of, of God, God yeah. who gives to all men generously yeah, and man. without reproach. Yeah. Praise God. Amen. We all need it. Amen. Yeah. And so you might be struggling. I just want to encourage whoever's listening who's That's really good. struggling yeah. as a father. I want, I'm just I'm raising my hand. Pastor Cook I'm can see it. I'm raising my hand too. We're, we're all struggling here. Amen. And guess what? The Lord can bring us through and even use our mistakes Mm -hmm. and work them together for good. Amen. Well, God bless everyone. And we'll look forward to the next podcast that we have. God bless each one of you in your parenting, in your marriage, your home, and your family.